0: The Press Box is here to catch you up on the latest media stories. Hosted by Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker, these guys have the insight on the biggest stories you care about. Check out The Press Box on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together... We're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, dot Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles and your car, Jiffy Lube, Car More, to find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com.
1: It was like you were crossing names off a list. You were like John Wick in it around. The-
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Right's House on Ringer C. Hope you're all safe and well. Today, we're going to talk about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang leaving Arsenal and what this means for the striker situation, plus something personal regarding the Bournemouth versus Wood game. And we'll also answer a couple of questions at the end. And my guest is Mr. Ryan Hun. Hey, man. How are you, Ryan Hun? I'm all right, thanks, man. Hey just, just you and I, like the Arsenal front line. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but this is what happens. We do this sometimes and, and we, we put the world to rights on a, on a regular basis. <laughs> and, and now we're doing it we're doing it on the pod as well. So here we go again. How are you? I'm not bad to be honest. Right, I've been having dream I've de- telling Nance, I'm having the dreams again of playing football. So let me tell you the dreams. So as you can see what's happening. So there was one dream I had a few days ago where it reminded me of spinal tap where they couldn't find a stage. And I was in I was in I couldn't I couldn't get to the pitch. I couldn't get to the football pitch. And I was, and I was in a house. I don't know what was happening. I was trying to get, I had the kit on every. I was getting to the football pitch and I was, I couldn't get to the pitch. And then the one I had last night was I was playing in my old Supermort kind of tournament where I used to play in before I started playing for Palace. Um, and I, I, again, I, I was in, we was waiting to start our football match. Like we, we it was like a, a conveyor. So that team played, and then we had to play. And I was just waiting and waiting. I thought, what does it signify? What's the dream signify? What am I waiting for? Why can't I find the pitch? I don't know. I'm searching for something.
1: I don't know. But I had a very, this just reminded me of this very, very realistic dream that I had. The other day. Well I say realistic is that what happened wasn't realistic, but it felt real, uh, right? Right. So Emirates three o'clock, kick, 3 o'clock kickoff on a Saturday. Uh. I was playing. We beat Burnley 2-0. <laughs> And it was 1-0 until the 89th minute. And then I picked the ball up like deep in our half and basically Burnley oh, yeah. were knackered. So there was loads of space. Right, And I and I ghosted through most of the, the like we broke basically. Yeah. And then I squared it for Emil Smith-Rowe who put it away and oh, sealed God. the game. Jeez. But then yeah. after the game, so I took my boots off and I had my sliders on. It was so realistic. I had my shin pads in my wow. hand, had my sliders on. And I came to see you and Roscoe. Right in the box. <laughs> and then I realized that apparently, for some reason, Mikhail had us doing a training session that night, even after wow. the game. And I walked back down, and Mikhail was with the whole squad, and they were walking out like a school trip. Oh. Like he was the oh teacher, no. and all the players were the, the pupils. And were you late? And I was late? late. And I was like, oh, sh- Mikhail, I'm really sorry. I was talking to Righty. I'll go and get my bag. And he was just like, all right, be quick. But then they'd lock the tre- wow. they'd lock the dressing room. Oh so I had God, to run, I was running warm. around outside Emirates, like with, or in, inside the Emirates thing with my, just like, I need to get my kit. And basically when I woke up from the dream, I was stressing that Mikel was going to bollock me.
2: <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, while I had the dream where I couldn't find a pitch, where I was doing my um, spinal tap, where they can't find a stage, I remember in the, when I woke up, when I woke up, um, I remember being so like anxious, yeah. anxious. I was just anxious. I don't know what it is, but I keep having these dreams where I'm not getting to, to it. Mm. I'm not getting to it. So whatever it is, I don't know what I'm working on. I mean, I'm going to have to speak to Roscoe and find out what, what we're striving for because at the moment, I feel like I'm desperate to get to it. I can't get to it. That's what I, that's what me and Nance try to, um, <laughs> me and Lance try to work out. But I remember when, God rest her soul, when I used to have dreams, my mum used to, my mum used to say, oh, that's such and such. <laughs> and then she put a bet on <laughs>
1: Wow. Gambling on your dreams. <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> oh, man.
2: You know what, Rai? Can I just talk about Obamiang, please? Yeah, let's do it, man. How do you feel about uh, this,
1: by the way? I mean, should we, for those who have been under a metaphorical Iraq. rock, uh, Pierre-Emerick mm. Bamiang is now a Barcelona player. For free. For free.
2: Yeah. What we've got to clear up as well with him is that we're talking about somebody, he's, he's taken a massive cut as well to go there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, everyone has to could, go to Barça at the moment. That's the yeah, yeah, but the thing is, he's willing to do that. And you know, with all the people that are saying, "Yeah, he just signed a contract and just clocked off." You know what I mean? He just didn't want to play. He got he got offered the same money as what he's on at Arsenal to go to Saudi Arabia. Mm. We're not talking about. so We're talking about somebody who's got. is a, a very colourful individual. Plays football with a smile on his face when it's not right. You can see, it's not right for him, and it's not about the money. Um, the sad thing for me with him, and unfortunately, because he's himself. That's I want to finish that because he's himself. He's very colourful. You know, people can easily kind of like get that mixed up with him being this, like when he was coming to this country, yeah, yeah. Ryan. everybody talked about him like some party animal. He's always out. He's, he's not like that at all. He's a family man. Mm. A family man that likes colourful clothes and colourful cars, but scores goals. Now, the saddest thing for me, Ryan, right, is that we couldn't, we don't know what's happened. You know what I mean? I'm not really bothered if I, to know what's happened now um, with him and Mikhail, what couldn't be healed. It's in a time where we need goals and, I'm, and we'll go on to it, how we're going to get them. But in a time where we need goals, when you see other managers you can get into that, not the gray area of management where, okay, it's black and white. This guy's maybe out of order, but I need him. So I'm going to take it like Conte done with Costa. Mm. And then, you know, they won the league next day, he sends him a text. I don't, you're not welcome at the club anymore. I, I could see that as something that I would probably like to do simply because the club is more important and the better, and the advancement of the club is more important than anything. So I'm quite disappointed that somewhere along the line, something couldn't have been resolved, but it's not resolved. Mm. He's gone. And I'm, I'm quite sad to see him go. There's almost like
1: two sides to this for me. So I'm sad to see him go because I think when he signed the contract, you spoke to him quite a lot about that. And, mm-hmm, and for mm-hmm. me, it really felt like he wanted to, that that idea of a legacy and yeah, maybe being someone who they might put a statue of you outside the stadium. Yeah. Like he, it, it felt like he really wanted that actually, mm-hmm. and he wanted to make a bit of a charge at the goal record. Not that mm-hmm. I think he was probably going to break Thierry's, but I remember you saying that, like, yeah, I, I would gladly, I would gladly be third if yeah. if Pierre was second. Yeah, getting
2: us stuff, winning us stuff, no yeah. problem for
1: me. There's been such a huge turnover and such a huge amount of transition at Arsenal in the last couple of years since well not quite a couple of years since Oba signed his contract there's part of me that is sympathetic to Obers maybe dropping form yeah. because it coincided a little bit with Arsenal trying to move away from the old school way of playing into this new Way that Mikel wants them to play, but also just a, a little bit sorry for him on a personal level. That I mean, this is—I this, should clarify this. This is this is me saying this without having any knowledge of what it actually yeah, is. Yeah, like, me too. So me too. You know, obviously, if it comes out that there's some really ropey shit going on, then I might revise my <laughs> opinion. But <laughs> yeah, but like up until then, yeah, yeah, as someone who's who's in the dark about it, you know, I just feel a real a real shame for him that he couldn't make that charge because it did seem to be a genuine thing for him, and also. Mm. You know, ironically, and I've heard a lot of other people say this, like if Aubameyang wasn't Arsenal, Arsenal would be making a move from this window because he's the kind of striker that Arsenal could do with on a short-term basis. So whatever it is that couldn't be healed, that's a shame for me. But I think that what if you look at what happened with AFCON as well, with Gabon at AFCON, it makes me feel that maybe this isn't such an Arsenal-specific issue. And that's pure speculation without knowing. It
2: seems very definite with everything, though. The way... There's no way back there. Obviously what's happened with AFCON and Gabon, him coming back, but then Barcelona taking him on a free, taking the cut, what he's taking. And you, you say, we don't know what it is, but again, what I'm saying about Arsenal, it just feels so definite from, that's it, bam, out, gone, that's finished. I didn't think it, if I'm going to be totally honest, right, I didn't think it would come. I thought it'd be something that would be resolved simply because we're talking about what, a year since he signed that deal with, and, yeah, yeah, bit, and if, yeah. if there is something wrong with what he was doing with the lateness, I don't know what it is. Cause like you say, we don't know what it is. Right. Even and you, you don't know. No, I don't know. And you know what I mean? I am in touch That's with tight the guy. It's, it's tight. It's tight. And you, you, you just look at it and you think with, if the way it's, the way everything's gone, I can't understand deep down why something couldn't happen simply because He's only just signed. So if everything was going on before, there would have been a lead up of misdemeanors for the manager to maybe say, you know something, Um, no, let's let's not sign him because I believe that what's happened up to this point, he's been doing this, he's been doing this. And if that carries on, you know, we're signing him for this much money, what's going to happen? And it just seems like if you knew that there's things that he's been doing that you don't like and, You know what I mean? This is a chance to not sign again for him to leave. Then why did we sign him for so much money, put so much into him, and then a year later, he's gone?
0: This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth, plus view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with Your Garage on cars.com.
1: If you look at the minutes per goals this season mm. if you t- <laughs> in all comms, let's take out Eddie Nketiah and Char- and Charlie Patino mm. right because they're not they're not regular players. No. But Aubameyang's minutes per goal is one, 159. 7 goals two assists. mm mm-hmm. Mhm played 15 games. Emo smith Rose minutes per goal is 171. Mm-hmm. For someone who isn't a striker, that's a pretty decent return. It's
2: a very good return.
1: Martinelli's is 335, but remember a lot of that was kind of integrating and getting him yeah. getting him in. So in the short term, it hurts Arsenal obviously not getting someone in. If, there's, if there was a, a genuine charge for the top four to be done, obviously a striker would have been super handy. Mm-hmm. But also, strikers need time to integrate as well. And maybe, with Martinelli's return and regular appearances, Nicola Pepe coming back from Afcon wow. after a pretty yeah. good Afcon, actually, mm-hmm. I wonder whether Arteta has kind of looked at the squad, and this is what I think maybe we'll, we'll get on it in a little bit. Mm. But this is one of the one of my little Rilo Wren conspiracy mm-hmm. theory reasons why he might have, why Mikel might have gone to see Stan actually. Yes, I, I'm not entirely sure it was kind of like a we need someone sanction
2: it mm. conversation. Because he can easily, Stan could easily say, with him going to see him. Well, I just sanctioned you to giving this fella three hundred and fifty grand. Yeah. Where's he going? What's going on?
1: I wonder whether Mikkel has looked at the pieces that he has and actually thinks this unit's kind of working okay at the moment. And I wonder whether he feels that he could move Martinelli central and play yep. Martinelli up front. Because then if you think about it, Pepe coming back from AFCON, that's mm. a backup on in a wide position. Also, I think Pepe could potentially work in a two up top if Mikel wants to go 4 sometimes. I know he sometimes has played two up top. as almost like a shadow striker because Pepe is this kind of chaos agent. You know, he doesn't really fit into the rest of the side, but he will get goals.
2: You hope. But the thing is, is Up to this point, he's not used Pepe in any other way that makes me say, well, why all of a sudden is he got, he's got love for Pepe and Pepe's still here. I think Pepe might be on, on a kind of last chance saloon with him, the amount of games he hasn't played.
1: I don't think he's going to hang around. I don't think he's, you I know? don't think he's a long-term thing for Arsenal at all, but you might see him play a role for the well, rest like of the season. Well, I'd like to see
2: something from him because like when you watch him, I know he's in the, the, the African Cup of Nations and you know, I feel that the defending and the, it's even harder some of the, mm. with, with them guys and how athletic and how good they are and how intelligent some of them defenders are you've got to do a lot more and I think when you watch him he's done it mm. why aren't we getting that out of him if that means to play him as a false, and I'm playing him in a position where he's just free gets on the ball and runs at people it seems to me that Mikel is doing something where he's got to take a chance on that because what I'm, what, what I'm feeling is what the goals are going to have to come from Emil Smith Rolls, Saka hopefully Gab um, Martinelli whereas we're not saying that any of them are proven like Abamyang was proven. We're talking about somebody that frightened defenders. Somebody that you know when he's playing well, he's pumped. He takes half chances. We've seen that. And now it seems to me with the way we're playing, and what worries me is when I watched us against Burnley, and I know we didn't have our full quota of players, but I didn't see anything in that team that made me feel like, oh yeah, I see what he's doing because we'll break them down. He'll get that chance, and he'll do this and that. Lack of missing chances. Lack of missed chances. Yeah, but like that game really
1: could have easily gone another way. Like a couple of those chances go away, it's 2-0.
2: Yeah, but right, didn't. This is the thing, right? Yeah, I right? know it
1: didn't. I know it didn't, but I think like you, you see people like Thomas Frank and Thomas Tuchel after games mm. where they've maybe not got the best result, but they've looked at the performance and they're like, no, the performance was good and we missed some chances. The chances will come like another day they go in. As a manager, you're more encouraged by creating and not converting as opposed to not creating at all. Mm. Uh, but you said something really interesting there about the false nine thing. Yeah. I wonder whether this is Mikel's plan going forward. I wonder whether actually he's like, I don't need an out and out number nine at the moment. Or Mm. I think that I can, you know, move Martinelli central. Because if you think that you think, you think how fluid that potential front four can Can be. be, Yeah. Emil Smith-Rowe, Gabby Martinelli, uh, Bukayo Saka, and let's say Erdogan as well. Throw Mm -hmm. Erdogan in there. Yeah. Smith Rowe, Erdogan, Martinelli, Saka, that front four is as dynamic, exciting, and a young front four as anyone else has got in the league. Yeah, yeah. The understanding that those guys are building. I wonder if he's, I wonder if he's had a chat with them. Yeah, Um, I wonder whether he has. He's like, you're my four. You're my Beatles, man. You're my Beatles. You know, maybe, maybe (laughs) Aubameyang was like Pete Best. like, we've got to get this drummer out. We've got to get Ringo in.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but Ryan, when they go to Dubai, that's the place where, because obviously the plan's in motion, Edu, himself, all, all doing what they're doing, the plan's in motion. Do you think, I'd love to think that he sat them all down and explained to them, that's happened, that's happened. You are the guys. You are the Beatles. You're going to make it happen. Because, right? because think
1: about it. If you, you, I'd for love the to be there of, in that chat. For the sake of having a, a widely reported 350 grand a week metaphorical elephant in the mm. metaphorical room. If you clear that out, there is no kind of like shadow hanging over it. Mm -hmm. In the short term, it leaves Arsenal short up front. Absolutely. Going forward, that is a long time that you can get those guys to go together if you invest. I'm not saying that it's all going to be amazing because I think this season, I wonder whether, for example, like the meeting with Stan was kind of to break down the short and long-term goals. Because for example, if it's like, yeah, we could get a striker in here, but we're probably going to overpay and we're starting to clear out if you look at Arsenal's wage structure now, you'll mm. start if you, as once Laka goes, and maybe Pepe as well. Mm. You've then got this more, more of a structure that is akin to those kind of early 2010s Wenger yeah. teams yeah. in terms of pay structure, where everyone's everyone's a in little a round, bit more in, in, in a, tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah in and around each like, other. Yeah, you got the like a gigantic Mesut Ozil mm. or you know a Pierre Emerick Aubameyang and stuff like that. So I wonder whether this is part of the process where he's saying like. Yeah, it might hurt us, but actually, the goal isn't necessarily Champions League this year. The primary target was Europe. Mm. And you do it and you break it down and go step by step because summer is the best time to, to retool. Get, yeah. And yeah, for but value for money. But you know? then
2: we're talking about freeing up that money. And you, 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 when you look at who's gone out as well, um, obviously, Bamiyang's big money. Um, Kalasinach was on quite good money as well. Yeah. So when you talk about freeing up, that's probably that's probably half a million plus a week.
1: Yeah, I'd say. A minute, right. Yeah. So
2: I I think you like to think that if you are going to buy a big striker in the summer, then Arsenal maybe saving the big money is what they might pay out to have to go with that striker. Then give them the money. I don't know if we're not going to have to pay somebody in excess of two hundred grand a week if we're going to try and go for that striker or is if they gonna... smart, they won't need to though. Well, it depends on if, you know what I mean? You've got Lacco might be going, Eddie might be yeah. going, freeing up a lot of money. If Pepe can kick in with the rest of those guys, with the other four, and then somebody starts really, like let's say Martinelli gets on a 10, just starts getting those goals what we, we all believe that he can get. Emma smith continues scoring at his rate. Saka's doing his stuff. Pepe kicks in. Um, he's taking a massive chance on hoping that works, but where's the backup for that? just in case, because like we say, Laka might be going, you know, Eddie looks like he's going to be going and, you know, I don't know what's happening with Florian Balligan, you know, at at Middlesbrough, is he going to, is. I think this is a
1: very smart move. Go on. Balligan was in this middle ground of being like, like killing everyone at at under 23 level, but senior, like senior football was a, it's a big the, step the, the transition like a was massive... too big. Mm. The championship at Middlesbrough is perfect for him. Like, that is a tough league to play in and, mm. and that's a really good league to develop in. He wasn't ready to be Arsenal's guy yet. He wasn't ready to be starting games up front for Arsenal. And to be honest, he wasn't really ready, I don't feel, to be featuring regularly in a senior Arsenal side yet. Not even on the bench? No, I don't think so. Because when he did, come, when he did play, that's a big transition. Developing in the championship... Coming back into the Premier League after having some really, really, really good minutes and experience mm-hmm. in the Championship, I think was a very smart move and one that mm-hmm. both the club and him, he needed.
2: Yeah, I, th- I remember watching him against Brentford and everything what he does as a striker, what he probably does in the 23s, it just seemed like um, when you do it there, you needed to ramp it all up. You needed to, yeah. you know, whereas it will come in and you feel like, bam, I've got time, but you needed to ramp it up. You need to take it to like max. Because mm-hmm. with, even at Brentford, at Brentford, he looked, um, he looked lost. Couldn't get, mm-hmm. couldn't get on the ball. Could, you know, everything he was doing. Then when he did get a chance, he kind of rushed it. Couldn't quite get his shot off in the box. But maybe, maybe you a right, ride. Right? Maybe because I'm desperate for him to be there because I'm thinking, Eddie, for me, I didn't, I haven't seen enough with Eddie coming off, off the bench, looking hungry enough to challenge two strikers. Obviously, Oboe wasn't in form. Laka is not scoring at the rate he was scoring. And Eddie being the guy who's been out on loan, he's bridged that gap. He knows what it's like to be on away on loan and scoring goals and coming back. And it just looked like he's somebody that, I don't know where his head's at in respects of, there's, did, did he see the opening? Did he see mm. that there is an opening at a club of Arsenal's size to step in and be the guy? Yeah. And, 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 you know, when I watched Eddie, when he, whether he come off the bench or whether he started, it just didn't look like it. And then for me watching him against Forrest, um, in, watching him in the FA Cup against Forest where it was a tough game for us with the team we put out but what you do in those games you keep it tight you, you defend very well and you get you hope that your guy takes a half chance he didn't take it Although Bakayo, Bakayo had a, a chance as well he didn't take it but mm-hmm. Eddie is a goal scorer that should and those are the opportunities and chances Ryan that I think that he should have taken that would give him a, a berth in the team that would give him a chance to Nick those goals and continue to mm. score those goals but like I don't think he recognised the opportunity I don't, I don't know because now it looks like he wants to leave he want. it looks like he wants to leave and he probably will and he's, he's yeah. missed he's missed the chance there was a chance there
1: there was a chance there I was thinking about Eddie the other day and I think he might have actually come through a decade too late like, I think if he comes through in 2010, he probably suits that Arsenal a little better than he suits this one because they play in a slightly different he way. He could get
2: on the end of things, yeah. He could get, really get on the end of a lot of stuff. Yeah.
1: What Arsenal need from a striker now is a lot more than just six yard box. They they kind of need someone who is like a lacquer Yang hybrid in a way. And that's why I think the Balogun thing is interesting because Balogun is a finisher, but he's also, I think, more dynamic than Eddie.
2: Yeah. You know, we're talking about somebody who got released from Chelsea when he was 14. He went straight to Arsenal a week later. They recognised something. You have to dig into that. That You've got to go back into that and think, right, they recognise that I'm going to work hard to get to this. For, he's done it. And it seems to me somewhere along the line, the hunger to, to be the guy, to be the number one and be that guy, I don't know where it went because when I watched him, I was saying, even if, you're, even if the chances were you should be running around to the point. You get that ball, I'm going to have a shot. Everything should be geared towards letting the fans and let people see, because I'm going to do everything I can to score. When I went to Arsenal, I didn't expect to start, but I knew I was at the place I needed to be, Ryan. And I remember, I didn't expect to start the game at Leicester, but all I said to myself is, because people saying, oh, he's going to come off the bench. All I said to myself was, like with the FA Cup with Palace, when I get on there, I'm getting it out my feet, I'm shooting. I'm going to let the fans know, I'm going to let everybody know that I am here to score goals and I'm going to get my opportunities to and I'm going to shoot. I started the game, scored a goal, bam, it it all went from there. But for me, I recognised what could happen for me if I score goals here and I'm going to do everything I can. I chase the defenders, I chase them down so as they want me in the team. And then if the chances come, when the games are tight, you nick a goal, bam, you start to build that. That doesn't just come. You build that. You have to recognise that. You have to go into the Nottingham Forest game knowing these lot at home, they're going to be fucking tough. We've got Charlie Bettino young guy playing. It, again, he's somebody that's like, whoa, what's going on? Somebody that's killing it in the 23s. What's going on? Okay, this is a perfect game for them to learn. This is the championship. We're not even talking about a team that's blasting it or killing it in the championship. This is for all that. It's not it's the a Premier tough League, tough league, man. You have to it's win. Like, it's exactly. Like when, you know,
1: it's like when NBA play, like young NBA players go to the Euro League, mm. or like you know, you look at someone like Luka Doncic, who like came in as a rookie in, in, in the NBA and absolutely killed it because he'd been playing for Real Madrid for years against yeah. like old hard dudes yes. in the Euro League, and that's what the Championship is like. Not yes. necessarily old, but it is a tough league. Can tough.
2: When I went to Palace and we, was in the second division, when I came to the, the first division. I remember everybody talking about, well, let's see if he's going to do it. See if he could do it there. What I found with the, and it was the second division then, it was so tough that when I got into the first division, I remember my second game at home, we we drew with Man United, I scored. It was, it was, I just had more time. You know what I mean? I just felt like I had more time because the defenders were different. They weren't fly in at you. Mm. They'd say, right, he's got good possession. Let me make him, let me force him that way. And then you get it and you pass it back. And I'm thinking, I was expecting to get fucking clattered there. So then what you work on is the movement of it. But you've got to, you've got to see, well, this is, yes, it's hard, but I I can do this.
1: Can I ask you something on this? Yeah. Yeah. I remember you and I had a conversation once, it might have even been for the podcast, and you were saying about how like you constantly felt like you were making up for lost time because you got into it so late and you got Mm -hmm. your opportunities so late. Mm -hmm every opportunity it was just like, this has to be it. I, I have to it. take this. Yep. This has to be it. Imagine that you'd signed for the club at nine years old and you were constantly being told that you were going to be the guy. Mm-hmm. Because I remember you saying you played angry. Yeah. Especially for those early years. And mm-hmm. well, I mean, pretty much all of your career, oh, yeah, but like, Especially yeah. in those early, early years. And that was, that was such a big part of what made you deadly as a striker.
2: Would I have the fire if I was that age? Yeah. Um, I know it's a bit of a
1: hypothetical. No, no, question. no, but
2: it's a good, it's a good question, right? Because I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. I don't think I would. Yeah. I don't think I would because what shaped me was the rejection and feeling like you're not good enough. You know, playing Sunday morning football and then feeling again without knowing that I'm improving all the time, getting stronger. Play. I've been playing against men since I was 15. Men. And so when I got to, and, and dealing with just some really bad, bad players who are trying to hurt you because... It's Sunday morning football. Mm. And what I learned from the rejection and playing in that kind of football, then you get to the professional levels. And when I started training with Palace and I had to train with the re- reserves and the first team, Ryan, with, and I'm not being disrespectful. I thought, my God, is this it? Is this it? Because at first, once I got my fitness, I, I just blasted past those, those players. I was, I was training with the first team after the first, first six weeks regularly. And the reason why I don't believe I would have been the same at nine and 10, especially if people are saying, oh, you're so great, so great, is because I'd lose the focus. I would lose it. Because what gave me the focus is once I got in there and realised, oh my God, this is amazing. All I've got to do now is work on being even better at playing football. And this is when I talk about learning about striking. It was like going to university, Mm. right? And I I had to learn all that stuff. And I am thinking to myself, this is is amazing. So I think that the rejection made me work even harder than those guys because those guys were in it from the age of 10 and that. And they, they, they're lax. They're lax. Oh, yeah, I'm okay. They'd leave at 12. We start training at half 10. They'd be gone. Reserve players would be gone from Palace at 12 quarter past. I couldn't believe it because, remember, I come off the site. I started at seven. Sometimes, depending on how it went, you have to finish before dark or you have to finish before a certain time. And getting home at half seven, eight o'clock, and then waking up at six again, these guys are starting at half 10, finishing at 12, and leaving to go where? I couldn't understand it. So when I, they they bounced, bro. And then I realized that, well, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go if I go home now? What am I going to do? Sit around. I just got balls out. Just started playing balls. I remember it took, one time it took me about. I remember the first times, right? It took me. I remember Peter Prentice, the guy who came over to me and said, "My name's Peter Prentice, and I represent (laughs) Crystal." Remember, I told you that I represent Crystal Palace Football Club, and we would like to offer you a two-week trial at our club. We think that you might do well here. Something like I remember it took me about. I went back, had some lunch, and it took me like ten, fifteen minutes to say to him, "Um, Peter, um, would I be able to use some balls?" He said you fucking can just go and get them just go and do what you want <laughs> and that's when i just started to curl stuff in the, with my left foot curl it in with my right foot and then i was able to get some youth team players to cross it and do stuff mm. i would stay at the training ground till three and four o'clock till some of the times they'd have to tell me to come in and it, that is you were on like like you were on a mission remember, I, 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 said I, I i said was on a mission i was it's a i think
1: it's like until 94. It was like you were taking, it was like you were crossing names off a list. You were like John
2: Wick in it around. <laughs> John Yeah, but right. I never, ever, at no stage did I ever feel like I caught up, simp- even when I won the Golden yeah, League, right, even when yeah. I scored, simply because when I looked at like Shearer and Andy Cole and Shearer, everybody was mm. five and, was like four and five and six years younger than me. Yeah, yeah. You know? So this is why I was like, like even, I didn't realize that scoring all those goals in the thirties, like Jamie, I think Jamie Vardy's just equaled it. Scoring all those goals in the 30s was a thing until they started to put it up there because mm. I realised how much older I was than everybody else and how, you know, like the playing catch up to a certain extent, I, I caught up because I, I got to the Premier League, got to the First Division, scored the goals in the First Division, won the Premier League in the end, FA Cup, all the stuff. But at the same time, I just think like I was just a bit too late for Champions League-y stuff. And, you know, yeah. the cup, you know I was just a bit too late for that, that era. And so I never, ever thought I caught up. Mm. I never ever thought I caught up, but I was always, always trying to catch up. And I think it's what drove Mm. me. It's what drove me.
1: So quickly, finally on the Arsenal thing. Okay. So Oba leaving,
2: sad on a personal level? Very sad on a personal level, because I think he's made, he's made for us. If you're, if you got Oba, then you, you, you kind of gear everything into, you kind of structure everything for him to just do what he does. I remember not long ago, I was watching his goals for Dortmund and it's just all geared to him. Yeah, yeah. So I'm devastated that we couldn't do that for him. But I feel I, you, you have to, as much as I love him, I have to back the manager because he's our manager now yeah, and man. he's taking the chart and doing what he's doing and I'm going to back him with that. So I have to say in the current climate, and we don't know the other half of the story, I have to go with the fact that the manager's done what he's done. I agree with him moving on because I think it's best for everybody.
1: One of those like potentially could be tricky to navigate in the final few months of the season, but mm-hmm. in the long term actually frees up quite a lot of wiggle room yeah. for Arsenal to, yeah. to make more moves. And that's that squad. And yeah. I think that's
2: at the end it's of just, the day, Ryan, it comes down to what's best for the mm. team and the, and the club. Yeah. That's and you and I are
1: softies, right? And, and mm. with stuff like this, it's the same with Mesut Ozil. Like, mm such great players for us at certain points wow. in their careers. It would have yeah. just been really lovely to have them leave. At, kind of like in, like the yeah. way Aaron Ramsey left. You yes. Know, like it was beautiful. he got a real send off, you know, um, just quickly, sure because on. a lot of people might be thinking like, why aren't you talking about the rest of the transfer deadline day? Moose mm. and I are going to do that on Studio. Yes. Yes. On Thursday. Okay,
2: yes. Nice one. Right. So that's why we're doing that. We're going to do our transfer deadline roundup.
1: Okay. One final thing on with the Aubameyang situation now. Final. Mm. there's no more talk about it there's no there are no more questions there's no more speculation there's no more kind of like oh shit is he going to come back in within the squad it's done Mm. and actually maybe we as fans outside of the football club sometimes maybe underestimate how important that a situation resolved whichever way it is can be and I think that now it's a big few months for Eddie, for Laka, for Pepe and for Martinelli as well. I think, I think if Martinelli gets a real run. For Emil as well? Well, I think to be honest, I think those guys are going to be fine because Emil's slightly, slightly different in terms of the, the need for goals. He will score goals, but but it's not his Yeah, but
2: right. No, it's not his primary goal to do it. He's he's got to continue to create and do what he does, but he's now, he's now been given the, you're there. You're, yep. you're a first team player we, we, we're, we're in we're all in on you and the moves that we're making is because what we've seen from you what we've seen from Bakayo what we've seen from Gabriel so we're all in that's the kind of pressure or th- that I never actually got that said to me by Arsenal at any stage but you realise
1: mm,
2: mm. I'm I'm, I'm, they're depending on me now and I hope they recognise that it's like when
1: you asked me to do right his house I was just like oh shit okay <laughs> shit here we go okay. it was like my dream it was like my dream I told you <laughs> It's like me
2: I couldn't find my way to my
1: dream I was fucking no, lost It's it. it like me being late but I wonder if Mikael's gonna try. find me maybe I'm next maybe I'm frozen <laughs>
2: out Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX what a wonderful day this summer one movie event will reign it is oh.
0: I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan.
2: Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG thirteen. Some material may be inappropriate for children under thirteen.
0: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details.
1: Right, man, I want to ask you something. Yeah, go on, bro. Sunday night, 6.30 p.m., ITV, Bournemouth versus Boreham Yes, bro. Can I ask you about this? Because it's something special going on, right? Yeah, go on. You did a shoot the other day up there.
2: Yes, man. It was, um, it was with my, my guy, Adrian Clifton, who I'd done a television show in, what was it? I think it would have been 2011, maybe. Something like 2011. Um, and it was a, 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 fo- a show called Football Behind Bars. I remember when it first came out, it was like people thinking, oh, Ian Wright's going to prisons, see if he could find the next Premier League player. No, I fucking wasn't. I used football to try and let these guys understand that your life can be different. And the way I wanted to, to use football and everything that football gives you communication, you know, team, team spirit, being with each other, helping one another is what I used in this prison show. And so that's what we went in there. And I met a guy called Adrian Clifton and it was brilliant. It's like, you know, he's somebody that I've been in touch with ever since. And obviously he played in the FA cup, came on, he scored two goals in the FA cup um, playing for Boreham Wood. And, you know, it's come out. It's come out that, you know, he was in this show, he's turned his life around. We're talking about somebody that was, again, born in uh, just in the wrong environment, you know, a victim of these circumstances. And he went the wrong way after being at Arsenal from the age of 11 to 14, and then came out and then, bam, went down the wrong path, went in prison a couple of times, bam, bam, bam. And then we met in prison, spoke. And then, you know, obviously he's come out of prison. He's turned his life around. He's playing football he's playing for and wood he's, he's a beautiful guy he's a wonderful guy and we had an interview uh, just talking uh, talking about his journey and what's happened and how tough it is and how easy it is for people to just look at that kind of name and that kind of person on paper what he's done and totally turn your back on that person that person needs another chance he's got and what's great about him getting another chance is that he's, he's recognized he's recognized. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, he's on the right path. And it's just, it's, for me, it's very, it's very emotional simply because, um, obviously me going into prison when I was like 19 for, um, driving offences, it was almost like a, a, a dip your, your toe in the water. It's not like I was a criminal or as a thief or anything, but it, that you can end up in a place like that. And I remember mm. thinking, there's no fucking way I'm going to end up in a place like this. And just having that, 14-day experience in there, going in there exp- and, and, and explaining to them. I know what it's like when they close the door. You know, mm. you, you, you put this charade this face on because you're walking around and you have to be protective of yourself. You have to make sure that, you know, no one takes liberties with you and all the bollocks that goes with being in jail. But when they close the door, and you, you fucking cry. Well, I did. They'd realize that's, that's not where they want to be. And, you know, the show tried to, tried to explain that to people. And like I say, I'm pleased because he's come out the other side and long, mate, continue for him.
1: How's he feeling now, like, you know, obviously
2: with a big FA Cup tie? Um, well, they just, well, what's, I, I, I had to explain to him, listen, no one ex- apart from you guys are expecting you to win this game. Bournemouth will try and do um, a professional job. They've got Scott Parker and they're flying. Bournemouth are flying, but this is the FA Cup. It doesn't make no difference what you're doing in respect of flying. Right, the fact is, is that if you go there and you lot together, you defend and you know what I mean. You're you're ready to go. Someone takes the chance, the magic can happen. It's up to you. Mm -hmm. But you've got to go into that game knowing that you lot deserve to be there. And so play how you play. Yes, they're meant to be better than you, but let them prove it. Let them prove that they're better than you. Don't give them an easy ride. That is the attitude you're going to have to have. And and if you beat them you're going to have to have it twice as much in the next game. And if you go past the next game, you're going to have to have it three times as much. There's no easing off. If you want this, you're going to have to earn it. I like that. That's, that's what I said to him. You're going to have to earn it. And, this, and when you, as you're going along, it gets more and more emotional. <laughs> <laughs> it gets more and more emotional. It's amazing.
1: That's uh, Sunday night in the UK. So yes. The yeah. ITV. Yeah. You're not doing it, are you?
2: I'm not doing that because am doing Man United against Middlesbrough and I'm doing Liverpool against Cardiff. Could you imagine if, if I was doing that game and then it's nil-nil and then, you know, either he's playing or let's not, he comes off the bench and scores the winner. That would be it. i just drop the mic. Bam. Go and leave. <laughs> I just, when I came back to say, Ian, you must be so proud. I go, bam, mic drop. See you later. I'm going to see him. <laughs> That's what the FA Cup's about. That story. How are you going to get a story like that?
1: And does the whole and does the whole pointing at righty? And so when they usually run over to the coach, he actually just points to you, yeah. jumps the barriers, Jump, yeah. in your arms, and you're like doing the. Remember, I got that video of you and Musa the first time we met when we were uh, <laughs> watching when, when Pepe's free kick went in in the Europa League. What? And it's uh, I filmed Pepe's free kick going in. Yeah. You went top left, and he puts it in, and then I slowly pan round, and it's just you and Musa with your arms around each other, just jumping up and down. <laughs> Before we go, should yeah. we answer a couple of questions? We put a thing out for some questions. Yeah,
2: we did. Yeah, we got some good ones, didn't we?
1: Yeah, let's do it. We've
2: got time go for a couple of things. Yeah, let's, right, do, them. let's so do them. I love Stadio Mailbag. I love it. The questions, <laughs> you have to go to, I have to put on my, I have to put on my mastermind cap and my university challenge. The questions are magnificent. Oh,
1: thanks, man. Well, I mean, I, we don't write the questions, but we no, just- No, to no, no, no. The
2: people who come in, I love them.
1: Let's have this one from Bobby Subak.
2: Yeah, hey, Bobby Subak. What's said- up let um, I
1: mean, we're going to touch on more of this on Stadio, but for cool. now, uh-huh. which player are you rooting for the most to regain their form or potential World Cup places with a new squad? Donny, Deli Ali, someone yet to move. Well, this was before the, the deadline, so, so now we know. Well,
2: Donny van der Beek. Yeah? Donny van der Beek. Obviously, I've got, I've got a connection with him through Dennis, through his daughter, his wife, or his wife-to-be, you know, and I'd have to say Delhi as well because of my connection with Delhi from way back. Mm. But I'm going to go with Donny because, you know, the move from Ajax to Man United was a massive move and a great move. And we we're all thinking great things that he was going to do. It hasn't happened. And I know that there's an unbelievable player in there. So with Frank taking him and Delhi, you know, I saw Musa say, Frank, was it Musa Mayo was saying, Frank's reincarnated? Trying no, he's trying to, trying to give birth to <laughs> <laughs> when he's signed, <laughs> he signed daily, you know, getting into the box, ghosting and, and Donny van der Beek to be under Frank. Um, like, I that, think all of a
1: sudden that Everton midfield looks very different, it's looking
2: very, very different. And so, I'm hoping that that can work for him. He's going to need a bit of time, but then again, I hope that he doesn't need time so as he could show, just like when Jesse came on, um, and went to West Ham and just was blasting. I hope that Donny does the same, so as we could see that. Those people, what they've done to that guy in the last couple of years is wrong. So I'm hoping for Donny van der Baek. Hmm.
1: It's a tricky one. Deli I, is wrong. Well. Deli well, is wrong. Well. I mean, do you know what? Like, who's the who's one who's that, you? What about you? The one, that, the one that I'm really, really genuinely over the moon happy for is Christian
2: Eriksen. Wow, gosh. It. Yeah, but I'm fi- I've got a fingers crossed vibe with that.
1: But like, I mean, but that's not really part of what this question is. But like, mm. we, we'll talk about that more on Studio because I just mm-hmm. think that like, okay, he's. He's back. This is yeah. incredible. Unbelievable. Like, I'm so happy for him. Um and also because of his condition, you would have thought that like they would have been hyper, hyper precise. Precise, with, yeah, with everything. With the, yeah, for him yeah. to even get there. Yeah. Um I mean from a football point of view, mm. hmm, the two that he mentioned and the two you said there are like true as well, like Delhi mm. and, and Donny. I'm intrigued to see what Brian Gill does at Valencia.
2: Wow. Because it's Spurs. It just didn't happen. No. And I,
1: I think Spurs have had a really smart window, actually. Like Kulisevsky, for example, mm. is, a, is such a good signing. And also Bentancourt as well. Like, Oh my like God, that. Those, like, like those two are like really, really handy signings for now.
2: Yes. You know what? I'd heard a lot of Tottenham fans, they were going crazy that they're not trying to get Tariq Lamptey.
1: But well, I mean, as 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 two Arsenal fans, I'm quite happy. Um, I'm that.
2: quite happy as well because, like, I literally cannot believe that no one's no one has tried to prize that man out of Brighton.
1: But remember, though, how good, like, how happy he was about that move because all of a sudden he was playing all the time and he yep. looks like he really enjoying his football. And I th- I really think Graham Potter's building something at Brighton. So I think at the moment. If, if you're someone like Tariq Lamptey, stay put.
2: But the thing with him is, I remember he made his debut, came off the bench against, for Arsenal for Chelsea and he mm. was literally the best player on the pitch. <laughs> and you've got to understand that the only reason why this guy is not playing for Chelsea is because Reese James is there. Reese James is the yeah. person that stopped him.
1: Dude, there's an essay to be had about young players making debuts against Arsenal and it being the um, best debut of all time. Unbelievable. Let's wrap on this one, because this is a fun one. Emily Orem.
2: What's Emily saying?
1: Emily says, I'd like to know how you watch a football match knowing that you're going to be analysing class talking about it. Wow. I'm sure it'll be different between how, for example, righty does it on Match of the Day and how Ryan does it for Stadio. But do mm-hmm. you take loads of notes or just bullet points, watch highlights, et cetera? Now, I'm really interested in this because I think we have to... I mean, you actually do it. Like, you, you know, people are watching you talk mm-hmm. about... Big stuff on prime time.
2: You know, the thing is, um, right. Is that one of the things I, I have to do when I'm watching it is I have to see it from a tactical point of view. Tactical cam. Yeah. And that is the one where you could see the whole pitch, ladies and gents, right down the side. So you could see where the spaces come and the spaces go. And you could see the shape of the team. Um, and I, I to a certain extent, you, I can't watch a football. If I watch a football match now, it's very hard to zone in if I'm not watching it for analytic reasons because it just kind of like fades into one. You just go, oh, look, he's, he's too far back. Oh, he should have pushed in there. Oh, too much space in the midfield. Oh, that striker's going to run offside. Oh. You know, you can't watch like a, probably like a film director. Once the film's done, he'll look at it and say, oh, I should have had that light there. I can see that there. You can't watch it without analysing it. And I watch a game from a striker's point of view. So I work it from me being a striker, what that midfielder should have done what that defender should have done to give it to the midfielder so that midfielder would have time to bring it to me. So then in different segments of that, I can say, well, that defender, he's, he, he's got to receive, he can't, he's got to open his body quicker so as then he could get the ball to me because the, the longer he's taken to open his body, the, the midfielder will be marked. So mm. you watch and you see things like that. And then I say, well, so now the striker can't make that move because he's not going to give it to him. So now he can't do that move. So now they're going to have to pass it back. And so you watch the, for things like that, Ryan, and you think, oh, that's why they're not progressing the ball. And then you watch it and the other team have obviously like, they've pushed on them, but they're setting a trap before they push on them. So the midfielder might think, oh, I've got time. But then if they target, let's for instance, say, I remember when we used to play against, against Sol Campbell. So what we used to do with someone like Sol Campbell is used to wait to the point where, okay, let them, let them build up, build up. And then when it gets to Sol, make sure everybody's tight on everybody. Mm. Because then you want the person, you want the player, and Sol's a great player, don't get me wrong, mm. but you'd rather Sol have the ball than fucking Rio Ferdinand, you know, because you, you give him the opportunity to look up, nothing's there, then bam, you could close that down. That's where you put the pressure on. Those are the things you look for. I remember I used to say to players, and I'd probably sell it to Sol. And then when he, when he does it, He'll give the ball away and i say, I fucking knew. The boss said to fucking play on you. Are oh, you and your trash talking.
1: <laughs> wow, was, that was, the,
2: that was that, one of the first things we ever chatted about the first time we met. But I would say it to soul like this. Jesus Christ, the boss was right in our team meetings. <laughs> you're fast. You're fast. <bad. laughs> but those are the things. And so- So that's the kind of thing you specifically look that's for. That's what I look more. for. You, and, the same, and the same with a striker up front who we know like Lukaku wants to get the ball and run at people. So we know that Lukaku, he's, he's, he said it himself, his main strength is not back to goal, holding it up. So what you do is you set up the situation where the ball can go into Lukaku, but then you've got midfielders getting around him because mm-hmm. the pressure will be, his touch might go, then you nick the ball off of him. So those are the things you look for.
1: But when you're actually like watching, say a match of the day, you're in there all day, you're yeah. watching the stuff ready for that night and you've got all the screens going. Mm. Do you make specific references for certain points of games and be like, oh, can I get that? Yeah, yeah. Because w- closer detail or like, what's your, do you, do you do you have like quite extensive notes or do you just say, I want specific notes on XYZ no, no, no. and the rest I'll f- I remember?
2: No, no, no. What will happen is, so you'll try and see a pattern of play. Like if the wing backs are getting in too easy. So then you say to the researchers who clip it up, can you keep an eye on Reese James and why he's getting in so easy? And then what Mm. you'll do is you'll say, so let's say the game starts at three o'clock, obviously then you just look at it and you say time code 307, Reese James, bam. And then you say time code 327, Mm. this and that. And so then what happens is, is that you build it that way. Like an archive. Yeah. So you build it. So they say, okay, so this was the pattern. This is what was happening. And then you say time code, like for instance, whoever the left wing back is or the left, midfielder who's not getting across in time, you look how many times he doesn't do that and you see time code such and such at 3.46 or 3.48 or mm. whenever it's happening. So you get a couple in the first half and then ideally what you want is, is for Reese James to go forward and get into his position, then score. Then you say, well, the reason when this was happening and then bam, that's how you do it. But sometimes the games, sometimes the games can be shit and you don't see anything. <laughs> And that's when you have to be creative. My process is, I think, a little bit different because obviously
1: you're in a very high-pressure environment on the flagship national highlights <laughs> show of the biggest and best league in the world. <laughs> I am, you know, sometimes watching Paderborn, Werder Bremen on a Friday <laughs> night. So the, my my process is a little bit different. I think we spoke about this on Studio, but I think that I like to build more of a, as opposed to a week by week, I try and like accumulate more of an overall vibe of, of what's going on somewhere. Mm. So I, I watch as much like sometimes, I remember you, me and Carl did an episode and we were talking about how many games is too much on a weekend full live. In, mm. And <laughs> when I told Carl how many I usually watch, he kind of looked at me being like, well, "No, nah, man, you're not right. You
2: can't do that fucking too many games right
1: but also I- that's because we're not a club specific podcast we're not a fan podcast yeah we'd like to be able to feel like when we go specific on a certain club that we're doing it justice and we're mm-hmm. not doing this throwaway because so much punditry is yeah, it's, yeah it's, I, it's, it's just it's completely unresearched, and i yeah. think that that I think fans of clubs outside of the big however many clubs are willing to accept that maybe their clubs might not get the, the same so the yeah. amount of airtime yeah. that huge clubs get. However, when you do talk about those clubs, you have to treat <laughs> no. them with the respect yeah. and, the, and the intent that you do with those big clubs. So for example, I might not watch a like, Atleti live every week if there are based on, because Moose and I look at the fixtures and we kind of have a sense of where we might go on Monday's episode when there are mm. weekend games. So I'll be like, all right, well, I might want to catch that anyway just because I want to see this game. But we're probably going to talk about Napoli-Atalanta. That looks like it might be a good one. So I'll mm. make sure I watch that. I'll mm. keep an eye on the rest of them. Atleti are playing... I know Elche at home. Mm. I might not bother with that this week, Mm. but at least with those kind of clubs, check in live at least once every two weeks, because I think it helps you build an overall picture. And I think for me, put it this way, I feel like imagine each club that we cover is like, A jar, but there's a Mm. hole in the bottom that's draining out I want to make sure that everything's topped up to a certain level yes throughout the season and sometimes I'll you know might go a few weeks without watching someone so I'll be like right I have to watch the next few games or I'll go back and watch games when I've got time Mm. but I don't really take notes or anything I'll look at some specific statistical stuff because I think sometimes you you have to be skeptical of what your eyes are telling you as well that's really interesting is like when you find statistical anomalies that also match up with your eyes or that don't match up with what your eyes are telling Mm -hmm. you. It's never about being right for me. It's never really about, I told you so, Yes. We always get things wrong and we always pull each other up on it when we do.
2: I like when Be- people pull me up on certain things. But yeah, I think
1: for me, my general approach is more like watch as much as possible, yeah. take on as much as possible and form your own kind of like, yeah. you know, because sometimes I might might really watch f- four or five live games of a club, in the ro- of a team in a row before I really feel like, okay, I've kind of, got I feel like vibe. i can go in a little bit more on them now.
2: I like to watch, I like to watch the game as well. Some of the times, when it's, obviously when it's live, but then I'd record it and watch it in its live form without hearing what people have commented about it.
1: Yeah. Or commentary off. Yes. It's really good. Yeah. The Premier League yes. games in Germany, you can actually switch the commentary off mm. and you just have, you just have no commentary that's, whatsoever. You yeah. That, I think
2: that's great. And it's not, be- and obviously a lot of people on Twitter, like just hammer people about, oh, I'd fucking ram it off. And then, that's fine. Just turn it off. Cause I like yeah. watching it and thinking, oh, what's happening there?
1: Yeah. Uh, Thanks to everyone who sent us questions. We'll do some more questions in a future episode. Uh, Yes. Yes. Uh, I got. I'm going to bounce man. I need to let you let you do your day.
2: Listen, man. You got. Okay. Well, if you got to go, I'm. I was was ready to talk all day. Right. Well. we'll, Can we speak later? Because I want to continue just talking. Yeah, man. I'll I'll give a shout later. Let's talk later, man. All right, man. uh, Much love, bro. Good to see you. I love you, man. Love you too. Bye, bro. Bye. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate it. Um, Might be a bit Arsenal-centric, but hey, you know what I mean. Kind of Arsenal, kind of people, but. Um, hope like I say you enjoyed listening but we'll speak again next week right take it easy be safe be safe